This is episode 104 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And we are going to finish our review of a video Alan Parr and Mike Winger have put out about Hebrew Israelites. We're going to give you our final comments and review and clarifications that really dispel some of the things that they have published about Hebrew Israelites. So without any further ado, Hebrews in Exile, let's go! Of the harvest, you're of my life, you're of creation, you make everything right. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton, and this is Hebrews in Exile. Every week we come to do the podcast, and there's are things that transpire and that happen. Mm-hmm. Within the context of my week. Okay. And. Story time. One of the things that I hear King David say, King David say, he says, I meditate upon your mitzvot day and night. Day and night. Well, interestingly enough, my task is different than yours. Okay, how so? Well, in, in that, my task is to consistently keep before Hebrew Israel the importance of the mitzvot, which, which you do also. Yeah. But mm. I, have to, I have to be more direct with them and more repetitious. Mm. And with that, I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm thinking all the time, and I go to bed at night, and when I go to bed at night, I pray, and I ask the Most High to let my dreams and my thoughts through the night resonate within the context of His Word. And <laughs> it works. <laughs> Man, you know what? I'm... You just gave me a, a, a nugget. That's a gold nugget right there. Because I'm dreaming, uh-huh. and I'm teaching, or I'm talking about, or I'm doing something with mitzvot. Do you find that when you when you when those mitzvot come up, those dreams are very vivid? Huh? They're very. Those dreams that you're having, those visions that you have, yeah. are very vivid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm I'm. I'm, I'm looking at me doing or talking about mitzvot to to somebody something I don't know it's just mitzvot, <laughs> right, right. I mean our, our lives exemplify that. I mean we're walking mitzvot. Yeah, we should be at least. Well, for two podcasts now we have been dealing with this Alan Parr and Mike Winger. Mike Winger. Winger, yeah. Winger, Winger mm-hmm. issue of what up, what's up with the black Hebrew Israelites. And we've been dealing with that and we're going to close it out in this session. It's taken us three sessions to, to climb through this quagmire of mess <laughs> that these two gentlemen have put out for public consumption. Mm. 
So let me say it up front now. I've 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 really had enough of them, but we got to clean. We got to finish it up. Sure, sure. But I would not ever put myself out to be or to speak in an authoritative way about something that I don't have a clue about or if it's based on one sampling. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, okay. Okay, go ahead. And that's what this is. Secondly, boss, as we get into it tonight, um, Mr. Parr and Mr. Winger. 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 Yes. Do not understand that their conversation is about one of their own. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's- they call themselves fundamental Christians. Mm-hmm. And whereas the um um Hebrews that also follow the Greek narrative and believe in Yeshua mm-hmm. as being God manifested in the flesh mm-hmm. are the same thing that the fundamental Christians are. Yeah. I mean, they're they, simply, they call them Hebrew Christians. Hebristians, yeah. Yeah. That we're, hmm. and, and you know, and I got to say this again. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not being disparaging about them mm-hmm. because from 2007 till 2000. 18 or so or 17 or 18 we were the same exactly exactly now i think it's it's very important that people understand that um just like you're saying you need to hear like paul harvey and i think we mentioned this in another part podcast you need to hear the other side of the story yeah what now here's you, you know what the story is now here's the rest here's, of the story. here's the rest of it you need something fair and balanced this is kind of like the the fox news of 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 hebrewism here and you know you're getting a narrative and you're not really hearing the whole thing in its totality so yeah just to provide clarity we, we and i think i can speak for both of us we invite either one of these gentlemen to have a, a, a conversation, a conversation yeah. so we can yeah. reason together yeah. about a lot of stuff but it's a lot of stuff that you know thus far that we're hearing is, is very hypocritical um, yeah. you know yeah. calling us certain things and even within the I'm going to use their vernacular their parlance the Christian camps that yeah. with there are a plethora of them of them right are worse than <laughs> Right. Or worse than. So it, it, it seems a little disingenuous to be throwing stones when the only, I mean, you're prescribing to something that, you know, and I've said it before, and I'm, I'm going to say it one more time, at least to Hebrews, that's that same group that showed up back in the day that was burning crosses on your front porch, on your front yard, in the name of the person that you pray into. Okay? So... As far as, you know, violence and whatnot and, and seeking, I don't know, no Hebrews that are out there going to do any no, of that stuff. they're not going to do none of that. Our, it actually forbades us to go to do anything unless the Most High directs us to, number one, 
Number number two, the Most High has this thing where he does the fighting for us. Yes. And what you've seen from Hebrews is nothing but community and camaraderie. When Brother Irving was going through his political uh, barrage, it was... the Hebrew Hebristians that showed up, that, that Hebrew camp that showed up that he's talking about. Yeah, they but show, we stand they in unity. Up, they with showed each up other. to support to support his position. That's right. And uh, a lot of the uh, uh, of the uh, ye uh, also, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is in support of the fact that <laughs> if we use this, I don't know, is this new term woke? Does it apply? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even like using need, that. But but our people are awakening up to realize that they are a part of the Hebrew nation of Israel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Knowledge evolves. Mm -hmm. And if you and I are seeking truth, then knowledge will evolve and help you to understand as the book of Malachi writes, the difference between mm-hmm. that which is set apart and that which That's is not set apart. Agreed. And which belongs to, in text, uh, to a correct understanding. Well, let's get into this yep. before we run out of let's time. Do let's do it. Let's run it from this point. We're going to start tonight with this part of the podcast, which talks about what are some of their beliefs, meaning the black Hebrews. And um, Mr. Parr is going to talk about, because of this, some extremist groups believe that Jews are usurping their right of being God's chosen people and therefore are anti-Semitic. So that's where we're going to start right there tonight. Okay, so it's going to come on the tail end of, we'll just let it play for a little bit, then he'll go right into this next okay. piece. All right. I don't know how they interpret the last part. But the point is this, guys. I want you to see that this is how they take verses out of context, and this is how cults get started, okay? Now, we got a lot to cover here, so let me just keep going here. I got to stop this again, because every time he talks about taking something out of context, man. Yeah, you, you talk man. about taking stuff out of context. The, That's- Gre- the Greek text, the, from a pure Hebrew perspective, and a and people who study not only the first five books, which is the embodiment of which the Torah resides, but the prophets and the writings. Absolutely. For people who study the prophets and the writings and try to look at what's over in the Greek text, that Greek New Testament, everything in it that is in parentheses or bowl that refers back mm. to our Hebrew text, all of that there is out of context. Absolutely. Every last word, every last reference in it is out of context. He doesn't know that mm. because he's not a Hebrew. Mm. He doesn't know that because he's a fundamental Christian. Mm. He doesn't know that because they don't teach what we're talking about in any seminary, Mm. none. What are some of their other beliefs? Well, because of this, there's some extremist groups that believe that Jews 
And they're not the real children of Israel. No, no, no. We are Hebrew Israelites. We are the we are the true tribes of Israel. But they believe that some that the Jews are just usurping their right to be God's chosen people. And therefore, they are anti-Semitic. Now, I need to explain oh, this yeah, because I don't want to get in too, too much trouble with the Hebrew Israelites. You're not already in trouble with me. Every <laughs> Hebrew Israelite is an anti, uh, anti-Semitic. The, I'm talking about some of the extremist groups. The extremist groups. There's some extremist groups that are anti-Semitic. And so you have to understand that. Why? Because they believe that Jews are stealing their their identity, if you will, right? So that's the idea. Now, that has nothing to do with doing the right, extremist. Now, let's, let's talk about this for a minute, and yeah. let's talk about it. We're going to talk about it within the framework of text, and we're going to talk about it in the framework of history. Extremist groups believe that Jews are, usur- are usurping their right to being El's chosen people and therefore and are therefore anti-Semitic. Mr. Parr doesn't know scripture or his history of the of the Jewish, particularly the Oxanazis, nor does he know the history of melanated people in scripture. Mm. He's, he doesn't know either one. So let me deal with one part first. Let's go to Bereshit chapter 10, which is Genesis chapter 10 and verse number two. It says, the sons of Jephat are Gomer, Magog, Madai, Yovan, Tuvol, Mishat, Tyrus. The sons of Gomer are Oxenaz. Oxenaz, yes. Riphat. Togamar. Yep. The text says that they are from Yefat along with many of the European nations. The European nations are the conglomerate that make up Gog and Magog. Magog. Uh-huh. Okay. If Mr. Parr does not know his European history, he should study it and find out who people are and how prophetic scripture is into the present age and time. The mm. Oxenazis, white Jews, are people who are of Khazar ancestry in the 8th century. They adopted Judaism. Mm. Now, there are several books, two books by uh, Elmer von Flasher, one named the Black Hebrews and the Black Christ. The other is named the Black Role in the Bible. There's another book by uh, Mawali called The Call, the Hebrews. And there's another by Janice Winston, Go Tell My People Who They Are. Then there are the well-documented books by the Nation of Islam, The Secret Relation Between Blacks and Jews, How Jews Gained Control of the Black American Economy, another uh, by them called Auction Sales, Jews Selling Blacks, with pictures of slave sale advertising uh, uh, by American Jews. Hmm. All these books are very well done and document the Oxenazis' activities with the true people of the Most High 
the nation of black Hebrew Israel. Before anybody calls anybody anti-Semitic or berates them, they should read these books and gain some knowledge. In Almar Van Flasher's writings, he points out that the blackness within the Bible and how the Oxenazis became Jews. So, know your facts before you speak about as an authoritarian on Hebrew, Israel, and its melanation. Mm-hmm. Now let's go. Let's go to um, the prophet. The, let's go to text. Okay. Let's go to Yeshayahu, which yep. is Isaiah chapter number forty-four. 44. Yep. And we'll start with verse number one, but we're going to skip down. Okay. No, maybe we'll just read it all. Oh, really? We're going to go forty-four well, one. We go to 40, 44, one through five. Okay. Let's get it. You want to read? Uh, sure. 44, Yeshayahu, verse 1. Now listen, Yaakov, my servant, Israel, who I have chosen. Thus says Yahweh, who made you, formed you in the womb, and will help you. Don't be afraid, Yaakov, my servant, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, my blessings on your offspring. Verse four, they will spring up among the grass like willows on the river banks. One will say, I will, I belong to Yahweh. Another will be called by the name of Yaakov. Yet another will write that he belongs to Yahweh and adopt the surname Yisrael. Now, this is where, this right here in verse five, first of all, there's a lot of language between verse one and verse five that are, um, that are metaphoric and have different, have, have, a, have, a, have a far different meaning than what we're reading here in, in text. But the one that stands out is verse number five. One mm-hmm. will say, I belong to Yahweh. Another will be called by the, sir, by the name of Yaakov. Yet another will write that he belongs to Yahweh and adopt the surname of Israel. Israel. So you have the Oxenazis who are descendants of Yephat. So if they are descendants of Yephat, I cannot be anti-Semitic when I refer to them in relationship to their heritage. Correct. Number two, in, uh, golly, I think I always forget it, and I just used it the other day, and I forget <laughs> the text. Go tell Avraham the Hebrew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so a better sheet. when we look at Hebrew Israel, we know that Avraham is a person of color. Mm-hmm. From Avraham comes um, Jacob and Esau. Esau comes out red and hairy, but he's still part of the family. Then we have uh, we have the sons of Yaakov, which are the 12 sons that make up the whole nation of Israel. So let's go back. If we go, if we go back and we understand text and history right if father Abraham is a melanated man and his son Isaac uh, 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 Isaac is a melanated man Mm -hmm. and Jacob is a melanated man then the 12 sons of Israel are melanated people and they're not white 
No, they're not. Not at all. So when, when, when I rise up and I recognize the, the connection textually that I have with my ancestors, yes, I am a, I am a descendant of Hebrew Israel because Hebrew Israel has been dispersed into the four corners of the world. That's right. And we're going to go back to something that Mr. Parr said earlier that says, well, Hebrew Israel's want to connect with Devarim chapter 28, 28 verses 15 through 68. I can't say what I really want to say, but yeah, doggone right. <laughs> because right. I want Mr. Parr to tell me, find me a nation or a group of people that fits the narrative in Yeshua and in, in Devarim 28, 15 through 16. Find me a people that fit that. It certainly is not the Oxenazis. It sure isn't. No, they don't fit that uh, narrative. The Oxenazis own own the uh they own the uh entertainment business mm -hmm. they own a majority of the financial institutes they are not they are not hated like the melanated man in the world at all they are not treated yes they've had some hard times mm -hmm. but they've had some hard times because of the things that they did of course yeah and we have to go back to text again and we got to look at text Text defines that the Most High has used nations that are not Israel to whoop Israel's behind to try to get her to repent and turn back to him. That's right. That's right. And he has spelled it out in text. He has spelled it out in, 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 um, in uh, uh, Isaiah. You start reading Yeshayahu chapter 13 down through about uh, 24 thereabouts. He talks about all the nations that he's used to, to, to bring Israel back to him. He's talked about the exile nations. Mm -hmm. He does the same thing in the book of Ezekiel. So my point being here is to say to him, yeah, you're doggone right. Uh, these, the Oxenazi Jews are not semantic people, and I'm not being anti-semantic to do to say that. I'm going strictly by text. Mm -hmm. And if 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 you're going to call me anti-semantic, then you're going to have to call the text or the word that the Most High has given to Moshe to explain these nations of people in Bereshit chapter 10, you're going to have to call them anti-Semitic, which is means you're going to be calling the Most High anti-Semitic. Anti yeah. You better watch your mouth. Right, because then you're treading on that you, blasphemy you better, you better, you better yeah. watch your mouth. Yeah. And I'm, so consequently, we need to understand what does the text say? And I'm not talking about a Greek text. I'm not talking about a text that's written by Eurocentric. I'm talking about the Masoretic text, and I'm talking about the scroll that the Oxenazis use. Mm -hmm. So, if we're going to question the issue of their origin, let's let's get them. Let's turn to your scroll, right, which you have been preserving for us up until this time. That's right. It's our scroll. Mm -hmm. We're Hebrew. We can read Hebrew. We can write Hebrew. We can speak. It's little, our language. Yep, that's right. 
So if you're born, if you're born, if you're, if your ethnicity is something, that's what your language is. Mm-hmm. But the Akhenazi's language is not Hebrew. Actually, it's Yiddish. That's correct. That's correct. And that's where you kind of like when the Sephardics, they, they have their own particular language and dialect that they use too. It comes out of, I believe in the, uh, the Spain region. Um, so yeah, I've been trying to find that portion of text that you talk about where Avraham, the Hebrew. Oh, it might be. And in, I'm, I'm down I'm, in, it 14. might be in chapter 19. I can't remember where it is and I use it all the time. So I should, I should remember it, but, but I don't, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. It's, 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 it's in, it's in the book of, um, of Bereshit when um, Lot gets taken. Yeah, when and Lot gets taken and he's off to war. But yep. let's go on. Okay, let's do it. So his point about white people, once again, is not part of the purest Hebrews narrative. The purists believe that all people, according to Torah mitzvot, has the right at salvation and being part of of Hebrew Israel. And I think if we've gotten there, I think he's going to bring that up next. I think I've got ahead of my, myself. But let's play, let's play him on here. Okay. Now, um, some extremist groups believe that white people, sorry, all my white brothers and sisters, but they believe that white people are deceiving people like me, a people of color, with a whitewashed version of Christianity. And therefore, white people cannot be descendants of Israel. Excuse me. White people cannot be descendants of Israel and therefore are evil and cannot be saved. Mm-mm. That's not what purists believe. <laughs> no, <laughs> that that's not, not what purists believe. Yeah. Um, as far as ethnicity and descendants of Hebrew Israel, Hebrew Israel is a pure, melanated nation of people. Of people. Yep. To which. By Midbar, number 15 calls everybody that isn't, that isn't ethnically connected to Hebrew Israel, mm-hmm. he calls them foreigners. That's correct. And there's a mitzvot that we have mm-hmm. that addresses and speaks to us to remember mm. how to treat the foreigner. That's right. Because remember, you were a foreigner in Egypt. You were a servant or a slave in Mitzrayim. So Mm -hmm. you were a foreigner there. So you need to remember how to treat the foreigner. foreigner. Yes. Now, he also gives us the numbers, chapter 15 and 15. He tells us that that there shall be one Torah. For you, Israel, mm-hmm. and for the foreigner who Living resides with, with you. you. Right. So now what the foreigner has to do, the foreigner has to join with Hebrew Israel, accept mm-hmm. Hebrew Israel's Elohim and the Torah that the Most High has given to us. Mm-hmm. When that happens, you become one with Israel, such as is the narrative with Ruth and Naomi. That's true. And not only only that you have that narrative throughout the whole entire fiber. Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you an, an, an analogy real quick if I can, because I know we got to get through this. It's just like having you've uh, a marriage with you marry someone, 
and that particular person that you marry, that you're marrying into that family. That family has a bloodline. You're not necessarily blood, but once you marry into that family, you're treated just, just like your like family. The family. So it's the same deal. There is a bloodline through the empire of Israel that is through the loins of Yaakov, Israel, and that bloodline, you are able to join in with that bloodline and have, and matter of fact, you become subject to all the mitzvot just like Hebrew Israel is. I mean, well, just like the descendants of Yaakov are. You are, there's no if ands, or buts about it. Right. You fall subject to it. And there's some specific mitzvot for the foreigner that are in there as well. But again, this, this comes along with having, being well-versed and knowing what the mitzvot actually now, are. Now, now let's, but, but let's be clear. Let's not put, let's not put this, this word evil solely on white people. Yeah, that's every not. ethnicity on the planet of this earth have some people in it that are, are wicked are evil. and evil. Yeah, and are not ever going to see the light of salvation. Sure. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. So, so we purists don't have that thought process. Correct. We don't think evil about people who are not like us. Right. We right. think about people in the same context as the Most High thinks about people in that he has made man in his image and in his likeness. Mm -hmm. And out of that man that he made, which was a melanated man, mm -hmm. all other ethnic groups come out of that one man. It's correct. Correct. So, so I mean. The Most High is so beautiful because he's consistent with everything that he does. Hebrew Israel is a leader to the nations. You can join with her or you can decide not to join with her. There is a leader in the home. The man is the leader of the home. There is a leader of the country. There is the leader of Hebrew Israel, which is the most high. Every group has a leader. Yes. So it is, it is not rational to think that, oh, okay, well, there isn't somebody that's supposed to be the catalyst that represents the most high. Yes, there will be. And you're afforded those same opportunities. But I digress. And all people have the right of salvation and being a part of Hebrew Israel. Correct. Right. And so once again, guys, this is not every Hebrew Israelite that you will meet, but some of the extremists, which is why I put it in red bold, some of the extreme groups that you may see on YouTube and things of that nature, they subscribe to this idea that white people are evil they enslave black people, and then their punishment for enslaving African people is that they are going to be punished in the afterlife, and they cannot be saved because of what they've done. Okay, so let, let, me, let me deal with that one just real quick. It's, we have been enslaved by all races of folks, okay? It's not just the transatlantic slave trade that is just systemic to Europeans. Before the transatlantic slave trade happened, 700 years before that, you can see an evidence in history that there was an Indian Ocean slave trade that dispersed people out of Africa into the, into the wherever they took them. So it's not just white people that just did this. This is, we, listen, it's not systemic to one group of people that is going to oppress Hebrew Israel. The Most High will use whomever he pleases in order to get you back in line. Right. So just making it about white people is 
solely incorrect. So our Hebrew brothers, Hebrews that are out there that are preaching that narrative upon which you're pooling your information from, it's very flawed. ...to African people, all right? So that is uh, just a few things. And now, what do they believe about Jesus? They primarily believe that Jesus was a created being. They believe that Jesus essentially was a man who came and fulfilled the Old Testament law perfectly. Therefore, he acts as, a, as proof that it's possible for us to obey the Old Testament law perfectly. So the idea is they see Jesus as a created being, a man who was able to fulfill the Old Testament law perfectly. And therefore, if Jesus can fulfill the Old Testament law perfectly, then he serves as a model that it's possible for you and I to fulfill the Old Testament law perfectly. So that's why he came to fulfill the law and to show us how it's done. All right. Oh, well, wow. That's purist. 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 Hebrew purist. What do we believe about Jesus or Yeshua? Well, first of all, we believe that according to text, that the opulent spirit, the absolute all-existent one, who's called El, mm -hmm. cannot be or ever become flesh. Correct. What do we base it on? We base it on Bamidbar Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. And it says, El is not a human who lies, nor a mortal who changes his mind. When he says something, he will do it. And when he makes a promise, he will fulfill it. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's one. Two, in Yeshayahu, chapter number 44, verse 6, thus says Yahweh, Yisrael's king and mm -hmm. redeemer, Yahweh Sabaoth, or Yahweh of hosts, I am the first. I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Uh. <laughs> Who is like me? Let him speak out. Let him show me clearly what has been happening since I set up the eternal people. Ooh, who's the eternal people? Uh-oh. I wonder who they Since are. Since I set up the eternal people, now we got to come back and ask a question. Mm -hmm. Did, is there any narrative in the Greek text where Jesus Christ proclaims anything about the eternal people? Hmm. Let him foretell future signs and events. Let me go back and read this again. Okay. Beside me, there is no L. Who is like me? Mm -hmm. Let him speak out. Let him show me clearly what has been happening since I, the first and the last, set up the eternal people. Let him foretell future signs and events. Mm-hmm. This is just one of the many of the Hebrew texts that expresses this point by the Most High El. Besides his word, 
that he is a jealous L and will not give his glory to another. So if he's not going to give his glory to another, why and for what purpose mm. does he need a surrogate to represent him? Correct. In the Eretz. I, I, I got to talk on, oh, you, fin you finish your point? I, I got to talk about this other issue right here that Mr. Parr brings up, and I just want to bring clarification to it. Let, let's be clear. For the purist, for the Hebraic purist. We're not extremists. Let's get that out of your head. We are not extremists. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you study the mitzvot and you understand the mitzvot, Yeshua didn't come and fulfill them. That's abundantly clear. I draw your attention to one of, most, one of the most egregious ones, which is out there. Why would the most high L, the L that you serve, the L that created the heavens and the earth that delivered these people called Hebrews from the hand of bondage and gave them a land and gave them a constitution. And in that constitution, he says, what? You are not to drink blood you or are not flesh. to eat flesh why in the world would the most high come down in flesh and tell you to and violate his own word and say this is the representation of blood and my body we're teaching people to be cannibals and drink blood that how is that fulfilling the mitzvot you know even what, if it's metaphorically it's wrong it's still wrong I mean, even you got, you got these issues of, okay, well, okay, what about the woman with the issue of blood that touched Yeshua in, in the crowd? As soon as she touched him, she would have been unclean. Yes. Per the mitzvot. Okay, what about another one? What about the, the, the fact that, oh, okay, well, Yeshua's over here. Um, well, I don't wanna, I, we got to get through this. But there's too many examples that are in there that show that he didn't come and fulfill the law. If he come, came to fulfill the law then or fulfill the mitzvah or the, or, or the commandment, then where is his Torah scroll? And I'm not talking about writing Bereshit all the way to the end of Deuteronomy or no. Devarim. I'm talking about where is his Torah scroll? Where in the world did you write down any of the mitzvahs if you are the king? Because there's a mitzvah that said every king Should, must write his, his own, own Torah. And we're not talking about the first five books. We're talking about the rules and the regulations that the Most High has given to Hebrew Israel that every king is supposed to write. Right. So that's actually addressing two fronts. One, where the Hebristians are saying they're still believing in Yeshua. I would challenge my Hebristian brothers who really lean more toward being Hebraic than Christian to really evaluate and do a checklist to see whether or not this man actually even measures up to fulfilling the mitzvot, which you will see over time that he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay. And then it deals with this issue that Mr. Parr just brought up about the fact that, yeah, we got a whole bunch of but people you see, saying that but you see, he fulfilled them. But he you didn't. see, Christians can't do that because they don't know Hebraic study. That's correct. Because they have taken it and set it aside as old and equated and somebody's and it's been done away with and he's fulfilled it so we're not spending any time over here but but if you're not spending any time over here then why do you subscribe to the narrative where we've got our 
masturbatic text, Hebraic text, paste it into your document to make a point. What is this called? Bait and switch? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can't stay on that too long. (laughs) We'll be here for a while. Mr. Parr says he can talk about this stuff all day. Well, so so can can we. we. But we are going to tell people the truth and connect them to the scripture and not misinformation. Right. Now, uh, how do you approach a Hebrew Israelite? And then I'll I'll, I'll, uh, move on because I can talk about this stuff all day. How do you approach a Hebrew Israelite? Several things I want to talk to you about. Number one, you need to be skilled in the art of debate and apologetics. If you are going to have a discussion with a Hebrew Israelite, if you are not skilled in the area of debate and apologetics, you need to be very clear. You need to be very uh, careful. And you may want to steer clear because you may leave that conversation feeling more discouraged about your faith because they know what they believe and why they believe it, uh, which is very consistent with any cult group. Uh, and so if you're not strong... Whoa, 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 Yeah, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I appreciate, I, I appreciate the, the accolade. Absolutely. And what you're telling me is that Christians don't know what they believe. That's exactly what he said. If you ask the average Christian what he believes and to explain it, he can't do it. Won't have, yeah. If you ask the average Christian, what do you redeem from? And what's, what's, what's redemption to you? Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you something that's all outside the purview of tax because mm-hmm. they don't know. And we have the license to speak like this because we've come out of it. It's not like we haven't been there before. Exactly. So we're not from this, where they're coming from. No. They haven't been Hebrew talking about Hebrews. We've no. been Christian. We've been Christian. Right. So we have license. And now we're Hebrew. Exactly. We're, we're, we're kind of like, we're kind of like Shaul. <laughs> Shaul could speak because he'd been on both sides of the, of the subject. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> to be able to defend what you believe, you may leave that conversation questioning everything that you've ever believed. That's the point. The thing I'll say is this, <laughs> have a firm grasp. And, and that's <laughs> the point for us. It, it, we are supposed to, to understand. Yeah. And give, and I'm going to go to your text that says, and give every man a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within you. We can do that. Yes. We purists can do that. Mm-hmm. We can explain to you from A to Z the Most High. Mm-hmm. And what his, what his, what his expectations are for Hebrew Israel mm-hmm. and the and the created man because it's yeah. not just for Hebrew Israel it's for the created, created man. man oh we can do that mm-hmm. now one needs to be skilled in debate let me share something with you there's one thing that I can't speak for any other purist but I can speak for me Mm. there's one thing that I will never do. I will never sit across the table and debate what the most high has said. Mm. Now you may think that this is a debate. This is not a debate. This is clarifying error. Mm. 
We're not debating this. And if Mr. Parr and Mr. Weiner were here, I wouldn't debate with them. I would simply go and let's talk about what text says. Sure. And let's talk about what history says. Sure. But when it comes to the word of the Most High, mm -hmm. I'll never sit across the table and debate anything the Most High has said. Sure. There is no pro and con in what the Most High has said. What he has said, he has said. Mm -hmm. What he will do, he, he will, will do. do. And I, in the flesh, and my little black skin, don't <laughs> have any authority or ability to debate what the Most High yes. has said. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, so what we're doing is not a debate, it's just correcting information. The majority of what Mr. Parr has espoused in this podcast is error, or not error, but applies to his own religious sect of people, Hebrew Christians. Mm. And I thank you for the compliment that, that we're we well do studied, know yeah. why we believe what we believe. <laughs> on the relationship a believer has with the law and salvation because they're going to press you on this idea of the law, the Old Testament law. The law was not done away with. You need to obey the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. And so you need to obey the law. If you don't understand the relationship between a believer and the Old Testament law, you can easily be deceived. Third thing I'll say is have a firm grasp on the Hebrew language. When you get into communication with a Hebrew Israelite, you might see that they are going to use some Hebrew words. And if you're like, I don't know any Hebrew, they're going to convince you that you don't know what you're talking about. Because if you don't know Hebrew and they claim to know Hebrew, they're going to use that as kind of their ace in the hole card to prove that what you believe is wrong. Another thing I'll say is you need to understand how the Bible was formed, right? Because many of them, like I said earlier, will throw out different parts of the Bible and they'll say, okay, I believe this and not that. So it's helpful to understand those things as well. And then the other thing that I'll say is, Mr. Parr, do you know how the Bibles were formed? Do you know the origin of time frame in which that the majority of Bibles came into existence? Do you know who authored them? Do you know how far back and when they begin coming forward in which that we have a number of them in play? Mm -hmm. Do you know that? Because we know how the Bible was formed. Mm. We know I, who, I, I, I know yeah. from, the, from the time that the Septuagint was formulated down to when the um, um, the what's the last Bible the uh, international whatever I forget what it is and I I got it here but I didn't bring it up every Bible in play every last one yeah except the Masoretic text every one of them is authored com com composed composed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and has the thing, fingerprint of European people. Mm -hmm. History records that there are more commentaries, there were more commentaries than there were Bibles 
back in the medieval times. Mm. Um, who are these medieval people that history's talking about? They're not melanated people. Mm. The Eurocentrics, mm -hmm. from which you, Mr. Parr, and you, Mr. Winner, if you went to seminary and you studied, well, you studied from the commentaries of these medieval commentaries that have been passed down to your fathers and your father's father sure. and your father's father to where we get Jameson and Clark, Matthew, Henry, mm. and all of these other commentaries that are trying their best to describe Hebrew texts, but can't because your fathers don't know and were not Hebrew. Mm. So you're, you, you see, you need to come talk to me. <laughs> In, call us. Call us. Email me. FTF at firsttab.org. E email. Email me. But he's going to have to. That's going to be a while. You know, e e email me. He's going to have to go through his all his points that he had before. I got to be well-versed. I got to be ready, studied up before I come talk to him. Now, <laughs> I'm going to let you listen to the last one, but I'm going to close this out. The law has not been done away with. Sure. Let's listen to your writer in Acts and also in Romans. Oh, yeah. Shaul states that the law is spirit mm -hmm. in Romans 7 14. Can an all existent spirit be done away with? And how can you do away with something that the Most High El said would be throughout all your generations as he does in Numbers 15 and 15? Has Hebrew Israel ceased to exist? Mm. How can you say something's been done away with when in Acts 24 and 14, Shaul in your text says, mm -hmm. I am of the way, which is called a sect. Mm -hmm. I believe in the Torah or the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is not true, and if Shaul's speaking out of both sides of his head, which he's not, because he's influenced, everything that Shaul has written, his letters are all influenced by Eurocentrics who did not like Torah. Mm -hmm. That's historically written. That's right. There's a guy named Usibius, yeah, who was Constantine's authority on the New Testament. He did not like Torah and he changed a lot of the things that Shaul wrote. Let Correct. me take you to a point in, in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it is chapter <laughs> 7, where Shaul is talking about circumcision. Ah, and he goes on and says whether a, whether a person is circumcised or whether he's not circumcised is is not the point. You should come and receive whatever he's talking about as you would. But then the next line goes on, however, you should pay attention to the covenant. Let, 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 you know, let, let, let me get it. Let me, let me, I, got, I, got, I got time. Let me get it. Let you got it. time? Yeah, I got time. Let me get it. Let me get it. Yeah, because uh, I'm, 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 I'm I, I want to get that one. I want to get that one straight. Uh, second, first. Just, I'm just asking you to send me a little piece. 
little, little piece after end at, at, once you finish. Because yeah, I got one it, too. It's in seven. Okay. It's in seven. Seven. Oh, come on. Come on, come on. Talk for me while I look okay, at this. Okay, because I, 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 I can't because I, I got my star witness getting ready to come to the stand here. I'm trying to prep him in the back real quick because he's going to take the center stage when we're dealing with this issue of the law being done away with. Oh, here it is. Verse 17. First Corinthians 7, 17. Only let each person live the life that the Lord has assigned to him mm-hmm. and live it in the condition he was when L called him. Mm-hmm. This is the rule I lay down in all congregations. So this is not the most high. This, this is not, not the spirit of the most high. This is Shaul. Oh, okay. Okay. Supposedly talking. Mm-hmm. Was someone already circumcised when he was called? Then he should not try to remove the marks of circumcision. Was someone uncircumcised when he was called? He shouldn't undergo Brit Malah. Being circumcised means nothing. Being uncircumcised means nothing. What does mean something is keeping Yahweh's L, God's mm-hmm. commandment. But that it's one of them is but being circumcised. Being circumcised is one, one of, of his commandments. <laughs> so now I'm, I, you know, what? I, I'm not confused, but you talk about uh, misleading text here. Yeah. This is misleading text. Right. Taking it out of context. This is taking text out of context. context. Totally. You go. Well, I, I'd like to. Because I'm through. For, for, uh, Your Honor, I'd like to bring my star witness to the stand. And um, I'd like uh, Yeshua Hamashiach to come to the stand, please. And um, I'm actually going to use a, from your, um, Mr. Uh, Hamashiach, your, um, your, uh, your statement that you made here to your own people upon which Mr. Parr and Mr. Winger believe. I take you no, no further than Matthew 5, verses 17, where it says, don't think that I've come to abolish the Torah. That's the mitzvot, y'all, or the prophets. Don't think that I've come to abolish them, to do away with them. I have not come to abolish, but to complete. Yes, indeed, I tell you that until heaven and earth pass away, which they haven't, <laughs> not so much as if a yod or a stroke will pass away, will pass from the Torah. And you don't know what a yod and a stroke is because you don't know Hebrew. That's right. Not until everything that must happen has happened. 19. So whoever, dis- listen to this, listen to this, listen. So whoever disobeys the least of these mitzvot and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys them, obeys them, and so teaches, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 20. For I tell you, that has unless your righteousness is far greater than the Torah teachers and the perishim, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's coming out of the mouth of your own teacher. Lest I go on in verse 21, he's talking about, he starts quoting the mitzvot. Don't murder. When you get down to 27, he quotes, don't commit adultery. If you go down even further to 31, he talks about if anybody divorces someone, then they should give him a get. He understands what these mitzvot are. Your teacher, your master, the one you pray to and bow down and cry over, this man that you idolize, who's become your God, is quoting the Hebraic mitzvot. 
31, whoever divorces and must give his wife a get, that's a mitzvot. If you break your oath in 33, he's quoting mitzvots left and right. He's not doing away with anything. So I don't understand how talk about cults and twisting things, this now becomes, it's been done away with and we don't have to do them. Well, I rest. Uh, you rest? Well, I tell you that the Most High is very, very, very clear and is not ambiguous in any way in terms of anything that he has ever put before his people. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to debate about him. Your Greek text is skewed. It's ambiguous. It's misleading. And it's a half-truth. And a half-truth is a whole lie. A whole lie. Mm -hmm. And I can prove that to you. I can, I can, as a matter of fact, this whole clarification that we've gone through mm -hmm. in these three podcasts established the clarity of the historical understanding of Hebrew Israel and text. Yes. We're purists. We're not extremists. We're not a cult. And as I close this podcast this evening, be careful what you say about Hebrew Israel and their L, least that the words that you say become blasphemous, even if it's an error, mm. because you are speaking as an authority. Therefore, you ought to know your words that come out of your mouth and know that everything that you say and everything that I say is taken to account in the Shemaim. And I'm so happy that I worship the Elohim of Hebrew Israel, whose name is Yahweh. I mean, this has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. And Sean Appleton. And this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. exile. Shalom. Shalom.